On Living a Sex Positive Life, we explore all aspects of human sexuality. We talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures and the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. We strive to be an advocate and an empowering force in the fight for sexual freedom. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and talk about the touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. Happy Wednesday. It's hump day. This is Angelique Luna, your host extraordinaire trying to recover. Um, tonight's uh, broadcast is brought to you by Cafe Brusto, coffee for podcasters. <laughs> and I'm here with my husband, co-host, troublemaker, sane asylum partner, um, Jetsy Luna. Pyromaniac. Hey! We'll go on from there. Oh, oh, amateur electrician, I guess. But hello, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, crazy week, but we're super excited because we have Miss Alice Little on the show tonight. She is a court and sense at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch. At only four foot eight inches, she is by far the tiniest lady at the legal brothels in Nevada. And she is the top earning legal sex worker in the United States. A New York native, she has worked as an EMT and a horse jockey, loves electronic and tabletop entertainment and intellectual stimulation. Ooh, we're going to have quite fun today. A frequent visitor to the Virginia City and fascinated by its history, she loves exploring Nevada and all it has to offer. Alice has presented at over 50 kink and BDSM events nationwide and frequently helps couples with their problems in and out of the bedroom. Welcome to the show, Alice. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here with you guys. Oh, definitely. And we're giving a shout out to our lovely and talented friend, Ignacia Roberts, who introduced us to have this moment. Yay! Yes, I'm, I'm really excited and eager to see what we can talk about today. <laughs> it's all about you and how we could promote sex positive in the world and how to make sure that sex educators get paid their worth. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That is definitely a topic I'm intimately familiar with. Oh, definitely. So talk about your transition from EMT horse jockey to courtesan. Well, it kind of was an interesting setup. Throughout my life, I've always been looking for a job that fulfills me. Much like many Americans, I've worked so many different odd jobs trying to find something that satisfies me and doesn't just give me a paycheck. A mm-hmm. friend of mine was working at the Bunny Ranch and mentioned it offhandedly. I love to ski and snowboard, and Lake Tahoe is known for having some of the best skiing in the world. They invited me to come out, work at the ranch for a couple of weeks, see if I liked it. And then the next thing you know, two years later, I'm still here at the Bunny Ranch. It ended up being the most amazing and fulfilling job on so many levels. I had a lot of misconceptions about sex work starting at the ranch. I really didn't know what to expect. I really wasn't familiar with the ins and outs of the brothel world. So it was really an exciting adventure. Interesting. Now, courtesan versus sex worker, what is the difference with the vocabulary? So the way I tend to treat it is that sex worker is a very, very broad term. You figure that sex worker can apply to sex educators, 
those who dance, exotic dancers. It can apply to phone sex operators, porn stars. Like a huge, huge variety of different roles can fall under the same header as sex work or being a sex worker. Courtesan is a more specified term. I tend to use courtesan and companion interchangeably. For me, they mean the same thing. Not only am I providing sex, but I'm providing something more. What I offer is intimacy. Many people have the misconception that it's all about sex and the focus is on the orgasm. But in reality, the focus is on getting to know the other person and create the most amazing, incredible, and intimate encounters where we both get to just be ourselves and get to know each other in an honest capacity. That's an interesting outlook on the subject. I've never actually heard it termed that way before. Do you find uh, most of your coworkers try to approach it in that same way? Is it like a, a theme at the Brody Ranch where it is to get to know the client and, and get intimate with him as opposed to the concentrating just on the sex? All the ladies at the ranch go about their business in different capacities. I tend to really focus on the girlfriend experience, which is more about the romance and getting to know someone. Other ladies, especially those who have been porn stars in the past, will focus on experiences that may speak more to bedroom activities, such as the porn star experience. You can even film your encounter with a sex worker and have that as like a personal tape that you can take home to remember your encounter by. Oh, interesting. Various different types. I always keep forgetting that there. But... Well, I love the fact that you were used the word companion, and I'm looking at your bio saying loves electronic entertainment. Did it come from Firefly? Maybe. Was, maybe. I love Firefly. <laughs> Who doesn't? Oh, fantastic. It needs to be brought back. We need more Firefly. I think we have more of a chance of raising someone from the dead than to get that back in here, but we can all dream. We can try. All we can do is hope and try. I mean, hey, we got more Star Wars and no one expected that. That is true. That is true. Well, we have two more movies coming out. No, one. Oh, yeah, two. The uh, prequel to Han Solo's story and then the last of uh, the Star Wars stories. I don't know. Sorry, Matt, and the Star Wars That's or okay. anything. That's okay. I'm sure it's Disney. I'm sure they're working on more somewhere. <laughs> oh, no, they won't let that franchise die. No way. Consider they just acquire Marvel. I'm, I'm afraid for Deadpool to a certain extent. But then again, I remember when they uh, uh, did Miramax and, to, and uh, Touchstone, they really went on the dark side there. So I, I'm okay with that. So Deadpool 2 should be interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely going to be a fun one to watch. <laughs> so you said you focus more on again the intimacy intimate uh, intimacy man i'm getting tongue ties today it has been one <laughs> hell of a week but i love the fact that your your again your profile ends with that you're helping couples in and outside of the bedroom and i i i'd love to hear about that and, and any experiences you want to share with us as far as you know helping and working with couples oh gosh working with couples is one of my favorite favorite encounters here at the ranch People often have this misconception that the brothels are only for men and they're only for male services. That's not the reality at all. What actually happens is we have quite a few couples as well as single women that'll come to the ranches looking to explore their sexuality. Oftentimes, 
couples will come to me wanting to have not just a threesome encounter, but they're wanting to have a threesome encounter of substance. By this, I mean that it's not just safe, it's legal, and we're also able to draw from my professional expertise and really have an amazing experience all together. Usually it starts off with a, a basic conversation. Those who are listening that are familiar with BDSM, they're probably used to hearing about negotiations, but outside of BDSM, the brothel industry is one of the very few places that society stops and talks about sex regarding consent, what activities are okay, what things do we want to try and experience, and is there anything that maybe we want to leave outside of the bedroom? Couples have the ability to set their own boundaries. They are able to set the direction and tone of what our experience is like. And it really is my job to harmonize both his and her desires and build this better threesome experience. Now it makes me wish we lived closer to, to, to Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> it, it totally sounds, uh, again, completely different what, what you think of when you think of a brothel. Um, being, oh, I guess, it's yeah. legal. People, people have no idea what to expect. They walk in and they expect this dark and dreary sort of seedy <laughs> environment. And the reality is you walk in and it's marble flooring, beautiful lights, it's beautiful, clean, it's safe. It's the exact opposite of what you would expect. So let me ask you that it is legal in in nevada um are there i guess regulations govern governing yeah because such as overseas and i guess it's um god what country it is that they do like uh, quarterly testings um make sure well, you're healthy i figure everything else is regulated if something becomes legal legal the government's going to want their hands in it somehow and you know of course of course so how the brothel system works in Nevada, it is the only legalized sex and prostitution available in the United States as a whole. So first, it's limited only to Nevada, and then it is second, limited to specific locations. You can only purchase sex in a legal capacity inside of a legal brothel. So while there are independent sex workers in Nevada, they're not exactly working legally. You have to travel to one of the brothels in order to make that happen. In Nevada, there's quite a few different brothels, but of them all, I'd say that the Moonlight Bunny Ranch is the most well-known complement of the HBO Cat House show that aired number of years ago. It's very, very popular. And so what the legislation and legalization process looks like, it's, requires us to have weekly testing every single Wednesday. We go to the doctor and we are swabbed and we have to give blood in order to check and make sure that we're free of any STDs. Second more, we have to receive a card each year from the local sheriff's office that we have to file for. We submit to a full background check and fingerprint test, and we have to keep that card updated every single year. The reason why they have that is to make sure that all the women that work at the ranches are doing so consensually. It makes sure that there's no exploitation and everything is on the up and up. That's absolutely fantastic. Now because... let's, you know, let's pass it to the other 49 states. <laughs> yes, please. That is the hope and dream for sure. It's such an amazing service. I hate that it's limited to one specific state. 
Mm-hmm. I would love love to see it be legalized nationally. Sex work does so much good for society, and we completely skip over the fact that for many people, sex isn't a want, but sex is a need. It affects our mental health. It affects our physical health. And countless, countless studies show all the benefits of having regular sex. Why are we preventing something that happens for free between two consensual adults to happen within a paid contact? It's legal if you film it. That's called porn. So long as there's a camera, you can film the sex act. But if you actually want to purchase sex and just enjoy that intimacy, you have to do it within the context of the Nevada brothel. See, porn is great to watch, but it's definitely, from all the people I've talked to, way too much work to be in there. I mean, it is athletic. It's like watching sports. So Oh, it's craziness. And the reality, too, is that in terms of risk, porn is riskier than prostitution is. One of the state really? legislation... Oh, yes. As part of the state legislation, all sex acts require protection. You have to use condoms. You have to use dental dams. All of those things are non-optional, whereas in porn, it's more of a state-by-state basis. While in California, you have to use condoms. That's not true everywhere. And so it actually puts the performers at a significantly higher risk than, say, a sex worker's experience. We're much, much safer in that regard. Well, it's interesting. When they passed the law in California where porn um, actors and actresses had to wear condoms, we actually saw a surge of porn shootings over here in Florida and Tampa and Miami. And I know, um, oh God, Hustler was actually looking at moving uh, a large facility over to Tampa. Again, just to get that because that's what the public wants. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately so. And that public perception is perpetuated by porn. Because there are so many images of unprotected sex acts and so much video of unprotected sex acts, we've accepted that societally as the norm. All sex is unprotected. Much in the same way that we have this misconception that all men have circumcised penises, we have this misconception that sex, or quote-unquote real sex, shouldn't involve condoms. Well, the reality is there's plenty of guys out there that are uncircumcised and more people than you would believe have sex using condoms. We just don't want to look at that side of reality. Instead, we want to focus on the pornographic images. Yeah, but we also keep forgetting in between that you have to negotiate and communicate, you know, the safe sex because people just kind of skip that all the time in media. You know, back in the day when the soap... And the soap operas, you used to see, oh, they're getting together, they turn off, they take off their clothes, and next thing you know, next scene is like they're done. I'm like, what the hell did they do? It's like they it's didn't a even, mystery. Yeah, didn't even talk about it. And, and you know, what what about STDs or pregnancy? Are you on the pill? Are you on anything? Come on. <sighs> oh yeah, our society as a whole has just skipped over sex education and skipped over anything. That has to do about talking about sex. We are scared to talk about sex in any real capacity. We don't even know what our fa- what our partner's favorite position is most of the time. If you were to ask just a random couple on the street, you know, what position does he enjoy the most? She's probably going to look at him, blink her eyes a few times. Turn red. And go, uh, hmm. Uh, well, um, 
Uh, we do missionary a lot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even, even just between couples, there's such a lack of communication regarding sex. I mean, it, it's just accepted societally, and it's a problem. I know. It's like, that's always what I tell a lot of my clients and listeners. I'm like, figure out what you like about pleasuring yourself so that way you could tell your partner that you like it this way, that way, harder, rougher, you know, gentle here. Or, you know, if you can't tell them what you enjoy, how do you expect them to know? They don't know. And that's where you run into all the issues regarding sex and sexuality. If you don't know yourself, how can you share that with somebody else? I always, whenever I'm talking to my clients, I always like to give little pieces of advice that they can take home and bring into their own sex lives. For couples especially, one of the most common pieces of advice is talk about talking about sex. That sounds a little bit complicated, but (laughs) the hardest part about talking during sex is talking about talking during sex. You have to have the conversation before you can actually make a change. And that conversation can sometimes be difficult to have. How do you ask your partner, hey, you know, the next time I go down on you, I want you to tell me everything that you like, and I want you to tell me what you don't like so I can do a better job of pleasing you. That sentence, while incredibly simple, is so scary. That is like the scariest sentence in the world for most people. Oh, it is, because then they feel like they're emasculating the partner there by giving them directions. No, go to the left, go to the right, go up. It's like, you know, instead of embracing the feedback, they took they take it as criticism. It's like, no, they, they kind of enjoy what you're doing, but just giving you guidelines. It's not like we're saying you're doing a bad job. Oh, gosh, no. I mean, it's not that you're doing it wrong. It's that when you communicate, you can have such a better experience. Why limit yourself to what is already there and prevent yourself from exploring those sexual possibilities? One of the many, many services that I provide is helping people to understand themselves sexually. If someone has never taken the time to slowly touch themselves and explore their body, find out how their body works, they're missing out on such a huge and valuable part of sexuality. My job as a sex worker and probably my favorite part of being a sex worker is helping people to get in touch with themselves and discover new things. And how often do you have a little bit of a pushback even though they came to you? Not as often as you would expect. A lot of people, once they've made the decision to come and see a legal sex worker, They've opened up their mind. They've accepted the fact that, hey, this is going to be a unique encounter. This is something I've never done before. And if anything, because it's a new experience, it can be easier for them to open up and accept that. It's much more intimidating to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone that you love and treasure than, say, a sex worker. When you have a conversation about sexuality with me, You don't have to worry about what I'm going to think or if I'm going to judge you. It's a completely judgment-free environment. This is the place to explore everything you've always fantasized about, but we're simply too hesitant to do in reality. This is the opportunity to make fantasy reality in so many ways. 
it's that that is actually such a great outlet. But you know, it, ma- it makes sense. I know so many guys that'll open up and tell a bartender anything, but get to talk to his girlfriend about uh, certain things. Yeah, it doesn't work out so well. <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely a very very common trend. So what I like to do is when I meet someone for the first time, I always like to establish up front, hey, this is no judgment. This is a safe place. You can explore whatever you would like. Even if it's an activity that I might not necessarily offer, I can put you in contact with a coworker that does offer that service. This is literally the perfect place on earth to discover yourself sexually. Sex worker teamwork. I like that. Well, come on. Even the sex educators. I do the same thing. If I, I'm not an expert on something, I will recommend you to somebody else. You know, that's how we support each other because hell will freeze over before we could advertise and give any social media network money to say, hey, advertise our services. No, you're all hookers. That is true. They do oh, like to yeah. go ahead and put us all under one big umbrella. And, and, you know, if your title has sex, anything in it, sex worker, sex educator sex nothing they just throw you all into the same box oh yeah because i did find someone who actually works for one of the big um social medias and that's what they told me i'm like listen it's an educational service i'm doing doing workshops there's nothing graphic the photos are very g to maybe pg and and the person just said oh you're just hookers i'm like oh it is so incredibly frustrating trying to explain to people what it is I do and why it is something that is necessary in America. It's something that has existed in some form or another since literally as long as human civilization has been around. There have been sex workers in temples back in the days of Babylon. There were sex workers that essentially were advisors to the king. They were the king's consort. We have been in positions of power throughout history, and yet only these days in modern society do we put such an incredible stigma on sex work, seeking the service of a sex worker, or even the stigma that is associated with being a sex worker. I've actually got a great story to go along with this. Um, As a sex worker, I recently discovered that I cannot use a national bank. What? No, no, seriously, we can't use any uh, financial, um, what do you call it, institution. That's including PayPal, Square, all those to do any kind of uh, transactions because they would legally uh, freeze your accounts, withhold it, and not pay. I have several horror stories about that. Oh, yeah, no. So how do you manage your money then? I have to use a local credit union. I have to make my own investments. I have to take care of all my own financial security. The -hmm. other thing that people don't realize is that the legal sex workers of Nevada were independent contractors. This means we're responsible for paying and obtaining our own health care, making our own plans for retirement, and making our own privatized contributions to any 401k or retirement type plan. None of that is done for us. We have to engineer that exclusively for ourselves, by ourselves. And there's a great book by Lola Devine, Thriving in Sex Work, that will help you give you an outline and plan on how to save for your financial future and also emotional. Another plug-in for another great book. I love her book. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, 
Oh, she's spectacular. I am a huge, huge fan of what she does. She tends to speak more towards the independent side of things rather than the legal side of things. But in so many ways, there is a sisterhood between the two of us. At the end of the day, we're all providing a service. The difference is that I'm afforded the luck of doing so legally because of where I choose to perform my services. So in addition to being a companion, you also are a presenter. You've done... I am. I am very passionate about education and the need for continued education. My philosophy is that the moment you stop learning, you stop growing. And why would we want to limit ourselves? In this world, we have exactly one life. My goal is to make the most of my life and enjoy it in every way possible to the maximum level of pleasure. To me, that's that's the ultimate, I, I guess, the goal of life, the purpose of life is pleasure and enrichment. It's how can we enjoy ourselves while also making the world a better place and enriching the lives of others. Very noble. Yeah, because I think the whole... Oops, sorry. (laughs) Continue, continue. Oh, no, you're... (laughs) No, because I was going to say, it's very important, you know, with the continuing education of the BDSM community, uh, especially when you still have the friggin' trilogy of Fifty Shades of Grey coming out there that people still, you know have a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings, but yet they're making babies left and right from these movies. Oh, yeah. It's it's so unfortunate. And more often than not, when I see couples that come to me that have tried to, oh, well, we saw this movie and we tried to do this thing, I almost have to re-educate them rather than simply educate. We have to go over what they know and why that knowledge is incorrect and then turn around and bring more correct knowledge into their lives. What people often forget and often don't realize is that when we're talking about sex, and especially sex and BDSM, there is definitely a right way and a wrong way to do things. Like oh, yeah. condom usage. There is a right way to put on a condom, and there is a wrong way to put on a condom. There is the right type of lube to use, and there is the wrong type of use of lube to use. If you use the wrong type of lube with a latex condom, you can actually damage the condom, thus rendering it fairly useless. And so many people don't know latex and latex usually don't mix. That, mm-hmm. yeah. They have no, no idea because in our sex ed that we put out there in schools, we skip over all of this. We teach abstinence only. If you have sex, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to get AIDS, and you're going to die. <laughs> sex said in a nutshell, here, take a condom. We won't show you how to use the condom, but here's a fishbowl with some condoms in it. Here, take one. That's sex said in America personified. Yeah, sex said in America is just non-existent to just plain scary. Amen, amen. And uh, and here I am trying to do it in Spanish. So it's like, yeah, I, I'm a brave soul to do that. <laughs> Oh, yes, you are. My goodness. It's so interesting for me as a sex worker because I'm seeing people coming to see me for a completely unexpected reason. People are starting to seek out my services in an educational format now where people are coming to me and going, okay, 
I genuinely know nothing about the female anatomy. Teach me. I've never been with a woman before. How do I sleep with a woman in a way that's going to give her pleasure too? And it's been very, very eye-opening to see the desire and the lust for knowledge and education that's becoming so present in society. That's fantastic that people are actually seeking that out. Because, you know, every movie and every book, young man wants to find out how to pick up women. He goes to another guy. No, no, no. You go to the woman. They know what they want to hear. They know how to explain it. Oh, no, no, no. Don't, don't oh, remind yeah. me of bad pickup lines. We just experienced that last week at a... Uh, at the concert, remember, I was about to deck that guy so bad. We went to a concert, and uh, did you see let's the concert? Because we were entertained. <laughs> what was the pickup line you got? Which one? Oh God, I gotta find his business card. Oh yeah, dirty Don, dirty D. Oh yeah, I, I have to find it. I don't know, but it, it was a great pickup card there from an older gentleman in the seventies. But the young guy that was with him, oh God, disgusting and desperate you could just see it oozing off of him <laughs> he could definitely use the educational services <laughs> yeah and, and that's like, oh I, yeah and, and we try to be polite and tell him because he's just like oh women will fall in love with you instantly isn't that true i'm like not that i'm aware of <laughs> oh no and at at the end of the day it can be really tempting to kind of look at people who kind of have that social awkwardness point the finger and say well, you're what's wrong with sex in America. That's not true. What's wrong with sex in America is that we're not giving people the tools to have successful sex and conversations about sex in America. We're essentially disabling men from asking women about pleasure. Women are disabling men when it comes to sex and anatomy because they're not discussing what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And instead they're going, okay, well, we're just going to go with it and this doesn't feel really good, but... I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fake it. I'll just fake it. It'll be, it'll be fine. So so we can get it over with sooner. And so the bad habits continue and guys don't learn. America doesn't improve and everyone has dismal sex lives. Why? Why should we accept that? I think that we need to work towards change and frankly, legalizing sex work everywhere would be a great step forward to making that change tangible and real. I think we're going to take it state by state, and we have one, but we're going to have to move with that. But the whole thought on, on people who, who, you know, faking it, whether it's man or woman, it just completely takes away from the experience. Whether you reveal it then or reveal it later. I'm sorry, I was heartbroken when someone said to me once I faked it. They were lying. I found out later. But it still hurts. Oh, no, it feels terrible. I mean, I make it a personal philosophy that I don't fake it ever People ask me all the time, oh, did you really orgasm? Well, yes, I don't know how to fake involuntary muscle contractions. That, that's actually yeah. my pleasure. I'm actually genuinely enjoying myself. But the fact that people question and stop goes to show that it's become an endemic problem in society. It's just accepted that, oh, women will fake an orgasm in order to finish sooner and get the act over with. Well, isn't sex supposed to be mutualistic and pleasurable for both parties? We, unfortunately, have this viewpoint in America that women give sex and men get sex. They get it, we give it. The problem is, is that that doesn't discuss pleasure or quality of sex. 
it sex should be something that women enjoy too. Sex should be something that we want to know that our partner is being pleasured just as much as we're being pleasured. It was designed to be mutualistic from the start, and I'm not quite sure where that changed, but we have to make sure that we work against that becoming a trend. I blame religion. I always do. Because sex has been around as long as there's been government and politicians. They've gone hand in hand. You know, it's just took a couple of people who were fuddy-duddies and wanted to control the rest of the world and made sex the bad, evil thing, even though it was pleasurable. It's always been pleasurable, not just to procreate. Well, you know my side. I blame Hollywood. Eh. Oh, oh, come on. Every, every, Every slasher film, what do they do? They drank, they had sex, bam, dead. They, 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 they paint it in such a bad light. Well, parts of it anyway. Yeah, there's, that's actually a really good point. We don't display healthy sex. We, our porn, for example, porn is a fantasized version of sex. It's not sex reality. In the same way what we're seeing in TV and what we're seeing in Hollywood is this fantasized version of sex where... You see them climb into bed together, get naked, kiss, and then it cuts to the after scene. We're not showing what sex can be. I recently had the pleasure of partnering with the Alexander Institute, who's making incredible strides to help combat this. Not only do they have a line of really high-quality, body-safe sex toys, they also have a line of sex education DVDs. And they're actually great DVDs. Like, these are produced by real people, not porn stars, showing this is how you give an erotic massage. This is how you give your partner stimulating oral sex. This is how a successful threesome can go, and this is what it looks like. It breaks that barrier and kind of crosses it from just the myth of, oh, this is a pornographic threesome, and to know this is what a threesome truly looks like. That's fantastic. I've never heard of that one before. It was the Alexander Institute? Yes, you can find them online at lovingsex.com, and I'll be providing a link to the store that I have created with them that specifically shows the toys that I recommend and the DVDs that I really enjoy, too. Cool. Yeah, it'd be nice to shed that negative stigma that, you know, men or women want, you know, wanting threesomes, it's not a a perverted thing it's, it's it's a fantastically fun thing i'll give you that but uh again such a negative social stigma on that but mm-hmm. yeah and it, it, again it, i i find that threesomes are almost perfectly designed for having it you know, that type of encounter with a sex worker the number one concern that i hear women tell me when it comes to a threesome is that they're concerned that the other woman is going to steal her guy that's hmm. not reality i have no intent of stealing someone's significant other i have no intention of trying to start a relationship with a client it's a truly professional atmosphere for me of course there's genuine arousal genuine compassion genuine interest but i'm not looking to steal somebody away or end a happy relationship that's the exact opposite of what I want to do. If anything, I want to make someone's relationship better. And so I get to show them ways to make sex better in their relationship. Hey, here's some sex toys we can try. Hey, I discovered this amazing, amazing spot that you love to be touched. Let me show you. 
let me teach you how to better please your partner. And I'm able to kind of take away that awkwardness of the, uh, how do I talk about sex? Well, I'm able to kind of make that conversation happen without any of the awkwardness associated with that. Yeah, see, we always find it challenging to find another, a third, just because it's like they always want some compensation. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, can't we just have some fun, get together? And But you're right, the whole jealousy and insecurity that, you know, they might be coming to steal your partner one way or another. Well, well that's the first thing vanilla couples, uh, and, and again, vanilla being, we'll say, monogamous couples, uh, come to us when we say we're in an open relationship they're like, well, aren't you jealous? Because it's the first thing they would be. Mm-hmm. And to try to explain to them that, no, we, we enjoy our our significant other enjoying themselves, even if it's with other people, they're enjoying themselves. And we, we enjoy that. And it's, mm-hmm. some people just don't make that connection. Oh, yeah, for me, sex is always a mutualistic activity. I'm enjoying myself most when the other person is having fun, too. My arousal, my attraction, my, well, my sexuality in so many ways is based off of compersion. I'm most into a scenario when everyone is having a good time. So I really like to focus on creating meaningful experiences that are really fun, too. We get to walk away with amazing memories, new information, and oftentimes new friendship as well. Well, you've obviously been very successful at it, that you're the top earning legal sex worker in the United States. That's quite a title. I know. And what's crazier is that you could even go so far as to say I am the highest earning legal sex worker in North America. Oh, so much in such a small package. It's very, very crazy. I always joke that we only grow as big as we need to. And, well, I apparently capped out at four foot eight. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you're very successful at that. But how, what suggestions would you say for sex educators who want to make money? Because I know we all struggle. I know we have, you know, trying to figure out ways to promote ourselves legally. But, man, it's tough out there. We're still struggling it here. Is. It, is a, it is a dog-eat-dog world. The first piece of advice that I would give to other sex educators that are really wanting to value their work is, first step, know your worth and stop giving things away. And by this, I mean we're often tempted to help a friend out, provide a service, give a class for free. And when you do that, you're actually devaluing yourself. It's often said if you're good at something, don't do it for free. And we as educators, unfortunately, tend to want to share our knowledge so freely that we forget that we have to take care of ourselves financially, too. A really wonderful platform that I wish more sex educators would take advantage of is Patreon. It is this amazing website that allows people to contribute either one time or monthly to an educator. And by contributing to them, you gain access to exclusive content through Patreon, be that the form of blog posts, writing, YouTube videos, whatever it so may be, and that content is put out there specifically for those who are contributing. The second thing that I would always suggest for people to do is figure out what content is going to be the most successful. You have to have a way 
to measure if you're presenting a YouTube video, which YouTube video is your most successful? How can you monetize that video? Do you have the ability to perhaps seek out a sex toy sponsor and have them sponsor your podcast or your YouTube video? Do you have the ability to put a couple of ads of other educators? What can you do to kind of build the brand, but also make sure that you're taking care of yourself financially? And that's, Oftentimes involves having to do a lot of legwork. You're going to have to write multiple companies, try multiple avenues, try a variety of different things to discover what's really going to work for you and your particular brand. Some people find that Patreon works. Other people prefer to use, say, um, Google AdWords, and they will get um, monetized ads through Google on their website. There's just a real variety of different ways to go about monetizing what you're doing. But the first thing you have to do is create an avenue for people to support you and be vocal about it. You don't have to be ashamed of the fact that you're charging for your services. What you're doing is incredibly valued and incredibly necessary. And so please, please don't be ashamed to ask for what you what you're worth. The third piece of advice I would really give to educator is to be willing to negotiate if someone offers you say a free speaking gig at an event you have the right and you have the ability to request compensation in the form of payment you should definitely advocate for yourself because no one is going to advocate for you that's an unfortunate reality of when it comes to education we believe that education should be free and accessible to all but what we don't realize is that in order to create that education and create that content, it requires an incredible amount of hard work, energy, and oftentimes direct investment on the part of whomever is making the content. Good advice. Yeah, I think people often forget that we still educate ourselves to educate you. It's the, It does cost money to get an education. I mean, I don't see the uh, United States giving out free college educations apparently soon who knows but yeah i know some countries eh, not with the current administration yeah well the current administrations are too busy with the wall that the americans are going to pay for it, and even though he's going to stick the big to big to mexico yeah okay anyways next <laughs> well so true so true but yeah i would love to see sex educators support each other too we have this incredible network of diversity we know so so much and the question really is how can we help each other as educators? And so for those who already have a successful education going, please reach out to an up-and-coming educator and offer assistance to them. We have to be willing to help each other. We are, at the end of the day, a community. We are all focused on the same goal of education. Why don't we work together to achieve our goals? We'll all be successful that way. There's plenty to go around. There's plenty of topics to cover and there's lots of diversity to be explored and whether they'll admit it or not people need sex so there you agree there's plenty to go around i mean it's all different personalities too it's just like i know i'm not everyone's cup of tea because i'm blunt direct and honest there and but i know other sex educators that are more like hand-holding, soft, like soft, kitty, warm, kitty kind of personality. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's okay, too. 
much in the same way here at the ranch, if someone asks about a service that I don't provide, I simply recommend them to somebody who does provide that service. As educators, we can certainly do the same thing, too. Diversify our own knowledge basis and then make quality recommendations to other educators. Yeah, it's always about sharing the wealth. I mean, it's like I really get angry and frustrated at people just and it doesn't even have to be in the sex world but just very insecure about sharing information or even saying hey so and so knows it let me like take you to the right person it, it just drives me insane because I, I worked in the hospitality industry here in Orlando for 25 years and I had one co-worker who was like oh we're good friends there's a Hook me up with uh, so-and-so so that way I could pick up some extra shifts. Oh, no, you can't. You got to do that. Would you believe that I found somebody else who hooked me up with that same shift and she got so upset at me? And I'm like, why? It's open shifts. Anyone could work it. You were just greedy and insecure. So, yeah, it happens in every industry. It really, really does. And... Unfortunately, we as a society have sort of bought into this scarcity policy that sex is scarce and rare, that education is rare, and that these are unattainable things. In reality, it's not a scarcity situation. It's an abundance situation. We, in some situations, almost have too many educators to the point where everyone's off doing their own thing rather than working together to produce something that's going to go a heck of a lot further. So there's so much value gained by working together and just just simply communicating openly, honestly, sharing ideas, sharing thoughts, sharing what we all know, appreciate, and value. Hmm. <laughs> what do you mm, about there? It's just like... <laughs> well... <clears throat> I've been going through your website and have to say you are definitely a marvel at self-marketing. You've done a wonderful oh, job so both on the website and then through, through through social media as well as, again, reaching out and contacting not just us, but we've heard you on other podcasts as well. So you are definitely a marketing machine. Oh, yeah. I mean, marketing is the easiest tool for me to self-advocate. America, unfortunately, wants to neuter the voice of the sex worker. For example, on social media, it's very, very important that if you see something that you like, please retweet, share it with your friends, because now social media will hide our content that we work so hard to create from people who are trying to find it. On Twitter, for example, I'm at the Alice Little, and you're going to have to go to that link directly in order to find me. If you try to use the search function on Twitter, they've shadow banned my account and hidden it from searches because of what I do for a living. Those bastards. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. And so as a result of that, I kind of had to be a little bit more creative when it comes to wanting to put my message out there. If I really want to educate the masses, well, I'm going to have to find a new way to reach people. That's very true. That's the biggest struggle we all go through because, like I said, they, they clump us as hookers. I'm like, no! It's like, we have to get more creative on this, you know, wording and links and... Well, I'd love for them to all get more open-minded, but I'm not holding my breath. Like, we'll work on it little by little. 
shut up and take my money. I'm giving you money. It's not like I'm not, you know, it's like, ugh. Anyway. Yes. Sorry. Off of the tangent. That's what we usually do. <laughs> As we get that uncomfortable silence there. <laughs> oh, no worries. No worries. It's all good. It's, it's just, there's so many different things when it comes to sex sex work, media, advocacy, that you could almost have a dozen different podcasts focusing on sex work in the media, sex work in social media, how we talk about sex work in society. And I'm utterly fascinated by the fact that in many, many ways, this is the first time we're having the conversation in a public capacity. People have never, never been so forward as they have been in 2018 when it comes to talking about sex and advocacy for sex? Well, I think it's something that definitely the new generation uh, doesn't have the shame that I think was uh, instilled in, in at least my generation, I know my parents' generation, around sex. They're much more open to uh, not just talking about it and, and well, having sex, but they're, they're much more open about talking about it on an intellectual an academic level instead of just, hey, sweetie, what are you doing? So mm-hmm. I think that is definitely, it's helping. It's a good wave. It's just, it's still got to go. Yeah, but we have to continue yep, the wave. we still have to keep the momentum going. We mm-hmm. have to keep the conversation flowing. And it's something that everybody, everyone that's listening right now can be a part of it. It's very, very simple. The very first thing that you can do is to be willing to talk about sex, not just to your partner, but to your friends and acquaintances, too. A really great place to start is start by talking about PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis. It is this incredible, incredible drug that is now on the market. It is a pre-exposure drug for HIV. If you take this medication before having sex on a consistent basis, it prevents you from getting HIV should you be exposed. I I love this particular product as a starting point for conversation because society doesn't know it exists. And it's something that can be really beneficial to so, so many people's lives. I am so glad you brought that up. Um, I've been on prep for a little over two years now. And I I speak a little bit on it and try try to educate people. And I am amazed. Uh, I I grew up in the generation that, you know, AIDS is going to kill you. You got it. Bam, you're dead. And back in the 80s, that was the case. There was very, there was no treatment on it. There was no protection from it. But now we have this. And when I went to my do- uh, doctor and found out about it, the first doctor I went to said, well, I've heard of it, but I need to do research before I can prescribe it. I had to switch doctors to find uh, a, a physician who was familiar with it. And again, of course, I had questions on side effects and if there were any, um, who could actually talk about it and then was happy to prescribe it. Instead of my first physician, which said, why do you need it? I'm like, that's really none of your business on what it's a preventive medication. If I'm trying to stay healthy, it's your job to support me, not 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 question me. Judge. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I've got a fun question for the two of you. Yes. Just take a guess. How many hours of required sex education is there for medical professionals in college? How, how many hours do you think is required for sex ed? None. None. I'd still go with none. Three. 
Oh, yeah. Just for- as good as none. Three hours. And there's no continued sex education requirement. So what we see happening is doctors that have been in the field for 20, 30 years, they have no idea that PEP exists. Oh, my God. Think of all of the lives that could be impacted had they simply known about PrEP, had that as an option presented to them by their doctor. It's a conversation that our medical professionals really need to be having with us. But unfortunately, we really have to self-advocate much in the same way that you did. And so for anybody listening, talk to someone about PrEP. It's a great way to start the conversation about sex, and it starts to remove the stigma of sex. The second conversation that you can have is ask your friends about their sex life. That sounds insane, I know, but bear with me here. <laughs> Why would you ask your friend about their sex life? That's the kind of conversation that you have with, oh, right, nobody. We don't talk about our sex lives in America, much in the same way that we might talk about our love life. Oh, he took me out for a dinner, and it was so nice, and it was so romantic. But we don't talk about our sex lives. We have this perception that we don't want to talk about sex in society, that people aren't interested in sex in society, that it's something that's not polite for conversation. And I completely disagree. There is absolutely a time and place for you to be able to talk about sex casually with your friends. But you have to make that space. You have to make that conversation happen. And a really great way to have that initial conversation is through something like this podcast. Hey, I came across this great sex podcast. I wanted to share it with you and then talk about it. Here you go. Here's your conversation starter right here. Send this link to three people and see what happens. See what kind of conversations you get to have and what kind of knowledge you get to share with each other. I guarantee it's going to be very eye-opening. Yeah, and definitely review the podcast because that's how you spread the word. Because again, we can't throw money into marketing, but word of mouth helps tremendously. You know, sharing the various different podcasts, who you listen to, what topics, everything. I mean, there are several other podcasts out there that does talk about sex. I mean, we try to be, you know, ourselves an advocate for sexual freedom, whatever that is, work, pleasure, you know, education, everyone has a right to enjoy sex however they want, other than procreation. Oh, yes. Sex is something that is an absolutely viable option between consenting adults. Consenting adults have sex. That's a part of our society. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that, and we don't need to be afraid of it. It's okay to embrace your sex life. It's okay to talk about your self-life, and it's okay to have sex. Everybody, everybody has the right to have good quality, pleasurable sex. If you're sitting there right now at home and thinking to yourself, wow, I have never had a good sexual encounter, change it. Make 2018 the year that you have a good sex encounter. Either find a new hookup, come see a sex worker, but make active strides towards change and improve your sex life this year. Make 2018 the year of you. Why not? This country needs more women like you and Angelique Alice. <laughs> I don't think they could handle me for sure. <laughs> but Alice, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Please tell our listeners how they can find you. Oh, 
yes, there is a number of different ways to find me on the web. The first is going to be my personal website, www.thealicelittle.com. You can subscribe to my newsletter, check out my blogs, check out all the cool image galleries I have up and get to know me a little bit better that way. I am also on Twitter, like I mentioned earlier, at the Alice Little, and I'm always open to answering your questions, too. Feel free to reach out to me via email. My email is alicelittle at bunnyranch.com, and I am open to any questions, comments, anything that you want to know about. It would be my pleasure to inform you of. Thank you. And you can find me everywhere on social media on Loving a Sex Positive Live. Also, we like to thank our sponsor, King Crate, who will be helping our fun parts of our trip to Playground, Toronto. Yes, in two weeks we'll be in the Great White North, <laughs> freezing our butts off. Oh, it's fun. Yes, I actually bought a long black leather coat that goes down to my ankles. I'm like, okay, I think I should be warm. I, I mean, I haven't been yeah, in a cold you, that bad in 25 years, so yeah. Th- this well, you look like you just walked out of the Matrix. <laughs> but my condition for buying the coat is that I get to choose the rest of the outfit. So I'm going with boots and a necklace, and the rest is out. <laughs> hey, not a terrible idea. I like what you say. Oh, it should be since Toronto is very uh, open to a lot of good clubs and activities for alternative lifestyles. So, uh, thanks to our sponsor, Key Creek, you'll, you'll see a lot of photos going around. <laughs> well, if you want to reach me, I'm John C. Luna on Facebook and Twitter and FetLife. So, give us a uh, give me a shout out. Let us know how we're doing. Or if you have any topics or guest suggestions. And, of course, go to our guests, the wonderful Alice Little's website, who's intelligent, very easy to get along with, chattative, uh, and absolutely adorable. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Good night. Stay sex positive.